On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tanish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamp and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. And this week, by not one, but two expert guests, Keen Tracy and Bernard Jackman. Lads, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. It's good to be here. Yeah, expert guests amongst this company. <laughs> hey, you know, we're all experts theoretically. Theoretically. Yeah. Well, guys, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since World Cup. Obviously, you know, we're well into the provincial season now. Just maybe keen since the last time you came in, I think you came in the week before the European rugby started. And since then, I've kind of noticed your bylines. You've been popping up around all the provinces. So you're probably well placed to kind of tell us a bit about how not only we've we seen the results, but how they've reacted, how they bounced back from that disappointment. You know, which province do you think has turned the page the quickest? Obviously, Leinster have had the best results. Does that automatically mean that they're the ones furthest along the line, kind of getting over this? Uh, you'd have to say so. Yeah, I think. Well, the reason I've been bopping around to the promises is I'm getting the mileage up before Christmas, like which is which is the obvious <laughs> thing. But um, not money joking for anyone. For, <laughs> for any bosses, <laughs> Save Courtney. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah Leinster have been seriously impressive, and I probably have been surprised that there hasn't been more of a hangover. But I think what's been really obvious is that the players look so refreshed coming back to their promises and they, they genuinely look happy to be, I guess, back playing in different systems. I know we've made a lot about that in Leinster, you know, with Short Lancaster and what he brings, but it's the same in Munster. Like The Munster players are coming back to Stephen Larkham and Graham Rowntree and, you know, how that must energise you hugely after, you know, a really disappointing World Cup. Connacht are doing really good things with Andy Friend and Dan McFarland is doing really good things with Ulster. So, when you kind of boil it all down to that, it's probably no surprise that there has been no hangover. But at the same time, I did expect a couple of players to look a bit sluggish, but they, in fairness, they haven't really had they? I'd say Ulster, to me, have looked the best. I think they've really turned it around. And I think they've, we've talked, we talked about them last week. I think they've signed some really astute players and they've shifted away from, you know, possibly getting more backs and more flashy players in towards really like getting a bit of steel into that pack. And I think that'll bring great consistency to that team. Um, you know, so I would say for me, they've been the standout. Yeah, the Dan McFarland had the preseason, I think, as well, which makes is, a big which difference. Is massive. Yeah. You yeah. know, and they were obviously they had a few players away at the World Cup, not overly affected by it. And then, like Coatsia not going to World Cup is a blessing in disguise for them because the guy is just a freak of nature. But yeah, you're right, Dan McFarland's doing yeah. working wonders there, and Jared Payne as well. Isn't like their defense is looking pretty good. So Jared Payne's obviously doing some really good things there too. Yeah, what's your view on him, um, Bernie? Like you'll obviously just you know still in the coaching game. Mm. Um, I think you're best place out of anyone was to really give a, a bit of a view on him I obviously you know co- coached by him a very short periods and played against a few of his yeah. teams but he seems like a really good operator to me yeah apparently like he just took the, took the, took the water and uh, mm. straight away um, he impressed the players with his It's he does a lot of one on one stuff and a lot of uh, a lot of mentoring he's not a guy who gets up and, and shouts and, and roars he's very calm um, obviously he haven't played 13, 15 wing um, he's a really good understanding of that out, those outside channels and uh, I think you know, Dan has given him a lot of freedom. Dan, Dan was was I suppose mentored by Gregor Towns in particular. So they obviously have this philosophy they want they want to play. But um, he also, you know, being a tired prop or being a loose head prop, um, he's pretty 
interested in the set piece aspect of it, and obviously, you know, with with Jared there, the defence, so they're starting to get a bit of balance to how they want to play. I think they do want to play a high tempo game, um, but it's built on strong foundations around set piece and defence. And by all accounts, anyone I've spoken to about Jared say says that he's a a really promising coach for the future. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's getting great experience, you know, Champions Cup, yeah. um, you know, because teams like Claremont and, and uh, you know, I think. He's, he's someone that probably you need to keep an eye on in terms of coming through our, our pathway. And you'll know Bernard in terms of, you know, setting an off-field culture as well. Like, you know, when Don came in, obviously there was, the, you know, the, the trial and all that hanging over him. It seems very quickly they have been able to turn the page and, you know, get more of a posit- positivity around the whole vo- camp again. Yeah, I think there's a few key changes. I think they, well, they had a clear out, you yeah. know, so they changed S&C, they changed medical, changed CEO. Um, and Dan came in then as well and, and uh, there were some young players coming through so I think listen Ulster always have the raw materials to be a, a successful team um, and I think they went through a rough patch uh, but it's great to see them you know coming out the other end and I think I, I don't think they're ready for silverware yet um, they had a very good quarterfinal performance against against Leinster last year where they, you know they could have beaten Leinster but in general I think they maybe lack a little bit to to win, win silverware, but I think they're heading the right direction for sure. The yeah. league, I think they have a good chance yeah, in the league. Maybe like, league. I, yeah. I think Heineken is probably. Yeah. You think in the latter stages of the competition, they'll come up against someone who just has a little bit more in probably near probably both departments in the pack and the backs. So will be my view on that one as well. I think. Um, but I would say I think the signings. I have to reiterate that they've been really good for them. I think the guys in the pack. It'll give them consistency. That's what Ulster need. They've been able to come, like say that game that Bernard's referenced against Leinster. Like a, you know, if if Jacob Stockdale you know touches that one down, that could have been, they could have won that one. But are they going to go on and win the competition? Probably not. They might be more difficult proposition going forward, but probably a step too far in cup. They're slowly building strength and depth as well. Yeah. I mean, you look at you mentioned the signings like Jack McGar- Jack mm. McGrath, and Sam Carter both missed the Claremont game, which I was up at. And you're right, well, there there is like there's a fresh mood. I mean, you know, people are excited again. You know, there was a dark cloud hanging over the club for for so long. But having guys like Eric O'Sullivan, you know, and Alan O'Connor to come yeah. in, they're slowly kind of building that depth, which has been an Achilles heel for them over the last couple of seasons. So. Um, You've got certain guys really coming into their own, like you know, the likes of John Cooney is just has made himself a superstar up there. And it was interesting. We were over at the launch the at Pro Fourteen Media Day last week and chatting to Ruin Pinar, you know, and like John Cooney's name is being chanted up in Belfast the same way as Ruin Pinar's name used to be chanted, you know. So that's just been an incredible move. And you know, looking into the Six Nations then as well, like John Cooney's putting himself right at the head of that queue. Yeah, Bernard, it's funny how when Ruin Pienaar first it was announced that he was leaving, John Cooney was coming in, Ulster fans probably weren't overly happy with that. It's turned out to be a masterstroke. Like, John Cooney's been every bit as good. He's been driving them forward the last few years, and as Keane says, he's the Form 9 at the moment. We, we talked about it a bit a couple of weeks ago, but he's yeah. been even better since, since we had that conversation. Yeah, but uh, I think, you know, we've got to give him massive credit for, for growing into the role. I, I think that... Um, Make the decision at the time was was probably the wrong decision, um, in terms of helping Ulster win silverware. Uh, but John Cooney's come in and covered over that, you know. And I I would I would be a similar mindset, um, around Matt Madison in uh, in Munster. I, you know, I think for Munster to win a trophy, they're better off having him there. And obviously that blocks McCarthy and, um, and and the young nine from uh, the twenty class. Yeah, Casey. But I think you know as long as there's understandings around. How much game time those lads get need to get? I think you know it can, it'll hurt Munster long term um, in terms of winning winning silverware. So it's just it's rare that someone comes into a, a room Pinar's boots and, and steps up. It's brilliant when it happens. I think like I said Cooney deserves massive credit for that. Um, but I just think you know when you're replacing world class players or, or not re- resigning world class players, you know that won't happen all the time. And I think from a, a, um, a provincial and Irish viewpoint of view, it's 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 a delicate balance um, to get right. And this time it's worked out for Ulster, um, and hopefully it doesn't hurt Munster. You know, in terms of their chance of winning something. Yeah, that's an interesting point Brennan makes. It is a delicate balancing act because, for instance, obviously if it was the end of the season and Matthewson wasn't kept on, you'd say fair enough. This is you know mid season, not even yeah. mid season, and. You know, even that Racing game when it was a draw, like it was kind of his impetus that kind of snatched that draw. Him putting them yeah. on the front foot. So it is a tricky balancing act. Very difficult to get right. You know, I I think um, you know the paymasters in uh, in the IRFU will be making a case for for Nick McCarthy. You know, and having two genuine Irish nines there, and there's a possibility that he can kick on, and he needs to be given the opportunities. But is that to the detriment of? 
of the Munster team. It looks to me like Conor Murray is still getting back up to speed. Like that's a very difficult injury he's dealing with. Um, and Matheson, as you said, has a massive impact on that game. Um, he's probably yeah. been the best nine in Ireland since he arrived. I think John Cooney's been better and he's played more of the bigger games and he's played for longer. Matheson hasn't played, you know, consistently enough or an, or just enough, I think, to really be in that. But I think Luke McGrath would probably, whilst he's playing behind an unbelievable pack that are kicking the crap out of everyone we, every week, um, it's a very different ride he's getting in Leinster. But I would say he's definitely up there. He's in the conversation and, um, you know, it'll remain to be seen whether that's a big mistake or not in the, in, in the shake-up. I think they probably won't feel it now, but where they might really feel it is the last week of Heineken Cups. And, you know, if they, they get through that period, you know, the, the business end, if they can get there, they might really feel it then. The, the, the thing about the Matthewson situation, though, it's, it's, it's a little bit more complicated because the reason he's leaving mid-season is because he was kept on because Conor Murray was going to the World Cup. If this hadn't been a World Cup year, he would have been gone at the end of the season. Yeah. So I think it would have been less of an issue. And then also... Like Nick McCarthy moved to Leinster, you know, because he was blocked by an Irish scrum half in Luke McGrath and a Kiwi scrum half in Jameson Gibson Park. Obviously, he's moving to Limerick, you know, under the promise that he's going to play more. And he's actually facing the same situation in terms of being blocked by Conor Murray and Albie Matthewson. Now, I get the point that he's probably, he, well, he is a much better scrum half with the, the positions they are in their careers. But it doesn't send a great message, I don't think, to the to, to the scrum halves who are trying to push on the Irish scrum halves if you are trying to keep extending these these foreign player deals yeah. because that's why he moved to, to, to Munster in the first place. I'm sure he would have rather stayed in his home province. He moved under the assumption that he was going to play more. Yeah, I guess like at the end of the day, if the guys who come in aren't playing well enough to dislodge... He's only played three, four games. He hasn't had that many chances. He hasn't had that many chances Like There's no all. point in bringing him down. And selling them on this thing if you're not going to actually exactly. deliver him some games he, to have a, have a go at it, mm. and like he's going to get those games now. It looks to me like you know, you know, Connor is going to have the international stuff, obviously, but you know he's struggling a little bit with injuries as well. So um, you know, I think he's definitely going to get opportunities. So it's up to him now to step up. Like he's seen the the, the blueprint is there to be successful in. Like I think Munster's pack to me, you know, when they get their full their full guys, you know, the full team out, uh, particularly with Kill Kill Coin back. They're really difficult to handle if they get quick ball. They can get on top of you, particularly in Tolman Park. You could see when Matson up the pace of the game. They're very combative. Um, against the bigger teams, I think they that doesn't work as well. But against most teams, it's really hard to contain them. And the pace of the ball, like if I was Connor looking at that, I'd be saying, I, I just feel like he's hanging over the ball a little bit too long and looking for that kick all the time. Um, I probably think I'd, I'd probably look to play a little bit more with that pack and play with a bit more pace, give them an opportunity to really impose themselves physically because they're capable of doing it. So Nick McCarthy, he can look at what Albie Matson's done. Like he didn't, there wasn't any great shakes to it. Just great energy, you know, just delivering the ball quickly away. Nothing complex about what he was doing. So you can deliver those things. Nick's definitely capable of doing that. So um, I'd like to see him being, being given an opportunity. I think it's the right thing. We always talk exactly. in these circumstances yeah. about it being the different thing, whereby an Irish guy is stuck behind someone from a different country who's actually not going to be able to contribute to the Irish rugby team. Well, Nick can do that. So I'd say give him the opportunity. We just hope, obviously, that you know he takes it and grasps it and it doesn't hurt Munster in the business end. But we'll never know until we try it. It's a, it's a big stage in his career. I think he only played three times during the World Cup period. Like He would have definitely expected to play a little bit more. You'd assume he'll be on the bench this weekend behind Conor Murray. So what is he going on 24 now, 23 going on 24? You know, he's made the big move. It feels like a big sort of stage in his career now yeah. to, not, you know, to really start making a name for himself before time passes it by. Yeah, i just clarify. I don't think that... Um I think McCarthy or Craig Casey don't have huge futures. I, I'm just saying that you've got four. You've got a special position where your main guy's gone for World Cup, and he's carrying an injury, and he's going. He's going to be gone for the Six Nations. Um, and then you have a guy, Craig Casey, just coming out of under twenties. He's played a couple of games. Looks really good. If that was to happen to Conor Murray, you'd be pretty light mm. in a in a quarter final, semi final, final of a of a Champions Cup. Um, that's that's all. And I think if you look at the, the big contenders. To win Europe, they generally, you know, they have two experienced, uh, proven, quality internationals, and in a in a special position like a hooker or or a scrum half, or uh, and then you know they have maybe two guys who are coming through. And I just think that from that point of view, like for Johan van Gran, you know, he's going to be judged on whether Munster can mm. pass the semi final stage. And you know, it's all well and good talking about player development. And I think you get a guy who's come in, proven himself, apparently very good in the environment. 
and there's a hard and fast rule that he has to go you know and I would say even like they've got four European games over the next uh, six seven weeks and then they've got, you know, I would say extend them until January you know and see see where they're at but anyway it's, it's, it's even got, got the coaches yeah, yeah, yeah of course yeah, well, like, well, like, well, look at all angles you know what I mean yeah, uh, no, no, uh, anyway, no, but I do. Uh, it's hard enough to get it's hard enough to, it's hard enough to get quality players who come in and it's, buy into the environment yeah. fellas who can make a difference and when you have one and someone who's keen to stay even on a on a month to month basis it's pretty harsh. Yeah, well, it's funny how like hardline this is because Albert Matheson was at a press conference maybe two weeks ago and he was getting very emotional talking about how much he wanted to stay, but News of Four was unmoved, obviously. And then looking ahead to this weekend, you know, how much they could do with him. Like they're playing Saracens on Saturday in a game that if they lose, you know, we can talk about they, they're still in with a chance. But ultimately, if they lose, they're more or less eliminated after three rounds. And they're playing the reigning champions who, you know, Mark McCall was actually talking about after their last match that maybe he will go and play a really strong team in Tom Park after initially maybe saying he he would mm. rest players. So He's ro rolling back just rolling back, as we like expect. Sl yeah. <laughs> slowly but surely. Like the, the most interesting team news is go at 12 o'clock on Friday is going to be that Saracens yeah. team. But like, I still like you know the information I was hearing that was that um, the the English Bears could only play a certain amount of Premiership games, and while that hasn't changed from last season, that the ban you know makes the games that they could have rested them even more important. But I still think if you in theory if you took three or four of them out, they have such strength and depth that they could go to Thomond Park and win. So I I can't imagine that it's going to be a second string team like the one they sent to to Paris for the Racing game because in fairness that came real soon after the World Cup final as well. So that it's was two weeks after yeah. So that was that was a factor in that as well. So I think it'd be foolish to read too much into that. Um, particular team selection but yeah Munster the draw against Racing at home well you know they pulled out of fire it does back themselves into a corner um, a little bit um, they have a few injury you know problems like Lou said is, is a big issue for them now at the moment with Kilcoyne and, and Jeremy Lockman out now as well so it's going to be interesting I presume James Cronin will come in and after that you're looking at another young guy Liam O'Connor um, Tyler Blainhall out with you know another a new neck injury which Johan Van Graham was explaining to you was really tough for, for that guy who was down in Limerick uh, I think it was before the possibly before the Racing game and I hadn't actually met him before, just, you know, seeing how such a positive guy and you talk about Albie Massing, the, the impact he has around the setup. This guy is, has an, been an incredible, you know, even while he's injured, he chips in with sort of the coaching video analysis. Sounds very like f stuff that I heard about Felix Jones is what this guy sounds like. So for him to suffer another neck injury is really, really disappointing. Um, be interesting to see you know, how long Munster have said they're going to be real cautious with him. But JJ Hannon is playing super stuff and, you know, he's looked reborn, I think, under Stephen Arkham himself and Mike Haley have both been really, really impressive. So there's a lot of positives for Munster. But yeah, if they lose this weekend, it's they're really up against it. And Bernard, what have you made of, you know, any new things you've seen when Stephen Arkham has come in with the way they're trying to play? Because there's been a lot of positive soundings in the players anyway. Like, uh, you know, Chris Farrell was interviewed over the yeah. weekend and he talked very starkly. I know he was very critical last year of the attack. He was saying that it was night and day almost, you know, in terms of what Stephen Arkham's brought in. Yeah, and I think it'll take a while to, to bet in, obviously, um, like Safarl and, and, and Conway and Earls were at the World Cup, so they haven't had a, a you know a long period with Larkin but there's definitely more ambition to play. There's, there's nicer detail around uh, their lines of running and I think potentially that comes from Johan as well, maybe, um, I suppose, understanding that the Razzie's game blueprint probably didn't you know wasn't going to work when you come up against a bigger team so they're trying to find a, a, a more wrinkles to their game and they do look sharper but I mean it's it's not perfect it's early days I mean they struggled against a poor Ospreys team to to get the bonus point um, against Racing for long periods they were dominated so you wouldn't say that they're flying on all uh, on all cylinders but there is there is definitely a, a bit of a shift and again with time they will become a, a more I suppose, well-balanced team. I think they need to be, Luke spoke about the pack and get on top of teams. Yeah, they can. And, and that needs to be a core part of how they want to play. But um, when their pack get matched, they need to be able to, to find other opportunities. And they never really had that before under Razzie or, or Johan up till now. Um, and I think they're definitely looking for that. So uh, I spoke to Scott Fardy a couple of, or about six weeks ago about, um, about Larkham and he said, as, a, as an actual technical coach, He's he's very very good, and I think that's what he need. You know, Johan to look after the big picture, and allow someone to come in and and just actually focus on the on field um, skills uh, and shape and 
uh, and attacking philosophy. And I think they're getting they've got a good balance now. And there's not a tougher test of your attacking philosophy than that Saracens defence, which I was watching the game against Bath last Friday night, and Bath were just had the you know, 25 phases and the 22, just not, they didn't move, they just recycling, yeah. couldn't get couldn't get any change there. It's going to be very tough for Munster on, on Saturday. Uh, yeah, it is. If it, obviously, we're all waiting to see who they pick. Um, but if they do pick their you know their their first team, the defence is just. Um, I mean, you saw what they did to Leinster. Um, you know, it's interesting to hear some of the Leinster lads last year. You know, having talked to them a few times, they felt like it was still a few moments. I was saying you were clinging to moments because they completely. Thought, I thought they they had way more of the game. They're just so their defense just really got on top of. Uh, very much like the English team, I thought they kind of stole a lot of kind of Saracens' blueprint. Um, they just it felt like claustrophobic even watching the game. Um, now I think there's ways that you can make it a little bit more difficult for them, and it'll be interesting to see if someone like Larkham can can try and unlock a few of those things. He'll have played against very oppressive kind of South African defenses over the years. Will he have a few views on maybe how you unlock that that those kind of defenses? Um, but yeah, huge challenge. Um, like, oh, look, it's it's it is good to hear good good noises coming out of the Munster camp. I do think someone like Larkham and to hear that he's a technical guy, and um, I think that has a really big impact on. Professional players are usually, particularly Irish players, are usually very hungry for the knowledge. Like you always hear different coaches from different countries saying, the Irish guys they love having the detail. Someone like Joe Schmidt, obviously, you know, very very successful here, and I think people do like that. So he could have a massive impact there, uh, down in Munster. And, and as Birch said, like they need something else. If they don't, like, it's very like if, if Saracens pick their first team and they have that first pack out, the first team pack out, they're not going to be dominating them physically. If they get parity, they'll be doing well. So they need something else. Mm. And they have the tools to do that. Like you've got Farrell in the centre, you've got Earls on the wing and, and Conway. And Haley looks, as you said, uh, Keane obviously mentioned him. He looks reborn this year and has been really, really good so far. So there's lots of potential there. They just need to figure out a way of unlocking that potential and being consistent there uh, behind the pack because they will need to support them there. You can't get on top of every team. It's a, I think it would be a very good test of how far along, it, like Bernard said, it is still very early days, but I think it would be a good test how far along this monster attack mm. is because, like you said, th- against Racing, they did get stifled for a while. They lost their way. They were able to pull it out of the fire. They played Saracens in two of the last three semi-finals and didn't really get close to them. I know three years ago, the scoreline, okay, it, was, it wasn't as big as last year, but they really didn't get near them. Um, mm. So I think that's going to be interesting. And there were like little moments in that Racing game, even how Andrew Conway, how they got the, the bonus point try was quite interesting. You know, like they were willing to to throw it out the back, which, you know, in times gone by, you would have just seen Munster keep that close and truck it up and bash away over the line. So there are green shoots and it's the... I think it's the confidence he's giving, Larkin is giving the players to sort of, you know, to throw that pass that maybe last season they weren't maybe given the licence to. And while it's not a, it's not a free-for-all either, there's been such a big emphasis put on the skills and that was where Munster were being let down. They were letting themselves down in the last couple of years. So it's great to see, but this is a serious test. Of, uh, I'll be interested to see if anyone takes a chance against... If Sar- look, Sar- we're, we're, I'm operating on the assumption that Saracens will pick the first team for these games, right? Interesting to see if anyone takes a chance on standing a little bit deeper. You saw Racing last week, they get very they get off the line very hard. Leinster do it very well as well, and Munster do it as well to a certain extent. No one's really standing with any depth. Like it's very it's it's it becomes easier against teams like that if you can get to the middle of the park and not have you know, not having gone backwards because it's very hard to get that hard off the line from the middle of the park as a defence. It's you know, there's more opportunities for you to to maybe open up teams. You always see most like New Zealand always trying to get to the middle of the park. And work from there. It's a great place because it creates decisions. That, you know, amongst the guys who are close to the rook in the pack, they have to make more decisions. But I'm interested to see if anyone chances their arm against Saracens by saying, "Well, look, we know how hard you're going to come off the line. Are you going to stand a little bit deeper?" Because everyone talks about, you know, your skills and delivering on the line. But like, you never even get a chance to get the ball out there. I think most teams stand way too flat against them. Um, it was it was what I thought Leinster did last year against them. It's what I thought lots of teams did against England and South Africa this year. Just way too flat against the line. You're taking the chance that you're going to get hit miles behind the gain line. It's a big risk. But as anyone, I, I just I'm waiting to see if someone like Larkham has something because I can't see anyone else getting through these defenses at the moment. I just I feel like it's it's hard to watch because yeah. I'm, I I don't see any spaces. But I I'm trying to think of solutions to get think, around. Thinking it. back to that quarter final, Leinster won at the Aviva a couple of years back. I feel like they did take a couple of chances that day. Like they did 
sliced them open a couple of times. Very uncharacteristic for Saracens. I didn't think Saracens... I thought Saracens played very poorly on that day, if I'm being honest with you. I thought Leinster ran over the top of them. And no, got very... very Billy V. Yeah. yeah, like they... they I thought they dominated them physically that day, which was, I know, unusual now. But the season after, it looks like they went up another notch defensively. Um, and I thought, like, Leinster's, Leinster's defence that year, I thought, went up. Uh, that, I thought that was the big differentiator for them, actually. But it's a big, I, uh, can you... Can you uh, no, I, but I, I agree with you, Luke, but the challenge is to go from playing a, a quite fl a flat game, like, whatever, 51 weeks of the year, and then to be able to come up with something. And potentially, this round, having... Wrestled a few, a few players last weekend. They've had two weeks prep for it. But I agree with you. I think the way to beat Saracens is how Exeter beat them in the Premiership final the year before with, with two waves and playing out the back a lot and getting around them. Mm -hmm. And you have to be really brave. You have to be really brave. But once you get around them on the edges, it changed the whole perspective. And if you look at where they where teams like Bath or, or Leinster in the final last year, or most teams that play against them, they play between the 15s mm. and they play off nine and just get absolutely smashed. smashed. And they you lose you lose energy and they gain energy from that. So the, I agree with you. The team to beat them, uh, who can beat them, are the ones who can be brave enough to get around them. Not every time. You will get caught sometimes behind the mm. gain line, but you just got to be very clear about how you're going to get around them and accept Do you think there's, do you think there's the any negatives? merit in that, Bertie? Like, I, I, sorry, I'm only just trying to think, I'm thinking off the top of my head going, I've, heard, I've, I've proposed this loads of times against them, but I suppose I haven't seen anyone really try it. But as you say, Exeter's probably a good example. Yeah. They beat them regularly, not, not regularly, but they beat them more often sure. than most other teams would. Um, but like as a coach yourself, looking at it, you're thinking... Like, what do I do? Or do I take the chance? Do I stand a little bit deeper? Am I going to get hit now five yards further back than I actually was going actually, to stand the flat? The play in Toman first, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's mm. actually worse because yeah. um, I, think, I think it'd be better going to there, testing a little bit, mm. learning from it, and then coming back to Toman yeah. the week after. But then you've got your home game that you need to win. Yeah. And that tightens people up and that makes you less... Um, less likely suppose, to like throw, throw the pass. Yeah, yeah. And you have to throw it. <clears throat> Like Saracens miss more tackles than any other, any other team in the Premiership, but they're willing to miss them because they're sending teams back inside, back inside, back inside. So once you get over it or around it, there's, you're not going to score, but you'll get over it again and that changes the, the next couple of phase. Yeah. Um, I think Leinster went into a, the game last year in Newcastle with a plan to do that. I think it didn't happen for various reasons. Uh, and sometimes when you're going really well and you're very comfortable in your own system, you say, oh, well, listen... I want to test how we play against them, yeah. but they generally beat you if you yeah. if you do what you do every week because of that's just sheer power. And I think they're they could be team possessed now. I think they imagine if they won a European Cup and and, and qualified for Europe again, given the what's happened to them. Yeah, you know, I'm I mean, proposing that that's what's going to happen. No, I think that well, is well, what's going to happen. Yeah. And like I think the, the group of players they have and and the whole philosophy around yeah. making memories. They can actually turn what's an unbelievably negative situation into something that will be talked about for a long time. Well, I and I think they're going to buy into that, and that could be dangerous. If you were their head coach, if you were Mark McCall, how would you be managing that part of it? The kind of the, the, would you be using it as a motivational tool? Would you be trying to like, just forget yeah. about it? It's got to be an easy team yeah. talk, is uh, it? Uh, what? It's got to be an easy team easy talk. Easy team talk. And I think they're, they've got enough experience and characters like Safarel and mm. uh, etc. Uh, who love the club. And they, and they definitely feel wronged. The players mm. will feel wronged. Because they'll say that they didn't really have, you know, a huge influence in our decision to make. Of course, they're making <laughs> No, they got the money. <laughs> no, but uh, like they expect the club to yeah. look after things. Mm -hmm. um, so I still think they're very dangerous. I looked looked at the game against Bath and I thought they were really enjoying this hunt for points. And and uh, no, they are the champions, and to go back to back would be phenomenal given to what's happened happened to them so I think they're dangerous still dangerous and you know the racing the racing team they put out in the performance was a, a false stone or false hope mm. for other teams because yeah. I don't see them continuing at that mm. so to be a cracker on Saturday Keen, maybe moving on to Leinster now they're playing Northampton at 1 o'clock in Franklin's Gardens a game maybe at the start of the pool we thought would be a little more straightforward for Leinster but Northampton been playing really good rugby you know Chris Boyd, their head coach, is getting a lot of praise for the for the style of play or that he's trying to implement. All of a sudden, it looks like a much tougher fixture than we would have envisioned. But like, how are you reading it at this yeah, stage? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Franklin's Garden is always a tricky place to go. Like one of those kind of heavy, tight, tight pitches. But um, it's been great to watch them. They've been one of the, probably the story of the the Premiership season, apart from Saracens. Obviously, they've been the, they've been the good, <laughs> they've been the good news story. Can't keep talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. Chris Boyd's done a, a really good job. I mean, he you can see that he's trying to get them to play like the. Hurricanes um, 
I was just watching bits of their game from last week. Matt Proctor is come back. He's come in now, and his centre partnership with um, Hutchison looks like a serious. They could do serious damage. So um, they're ticking on nicely. I mean, they've got Dan Bigger pulling the strings. They they won last week without having Bigger, Courtney Laws, and Franks, like which is seriously impressive. You talk about Leinster, Leinster's strength and depth in depth. So yeah, this is going to be a serious test. I think Leinster are in such a good place at the moment. Um, I know it was a very different team that beat Glasgow last weekend, but how good must the atmosphere be in a club that you can make 15 changes and beat a seriously good yeah, Glasgow strong team? Yeah, they had one in Scotland since, was it 2012 or something? Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. And yeah. they had a lot of internationals in that team. Part of the so Heineken Cup, they smashed them a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. You can imagine those guys are banging on Leo's door this week, like saying, you know, what do we have to do to, to get a start? But like Leinster are, are just so good at the moment that they have two different 15s and those two 50, 15s would beat most teams. Tough job. Most teams moment, around. Yeah, well, like what? <laughs> yeah, there's a best job around. <laughs> The best yeah. job. But, um, but uh, yeah, like yeah. they're they're in really really good shape. Like I, yeah. I think the likes of Johnny Sexton's come back. He looks sharp. He's one of the ones who I think has relished kind of being back in blue. Um, yeah, they're in a very good place. It, it, this has the potential, I think, to be the game of the weekend. It probably will be. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a guy in my the guy I work with is is a Northampton fan, and he's he was asking me today about it. I think they're they're quietly confident. Mm, I think yeah. unusual for an English guy, in fairness. But uh, <laughs> no, they're um, they seem confident. You know, they're playing a great brand. Obviously, the attacking style, um, you know, has been the talk of the Premiership so mm. far. Um, and we had talked them up pre pre the first two rounds. Um, so interesting to see if they like, like this Lancer team will be a completely different. Um, it'll be a completely different test for them. Uh, like if Leinster's pack performs to their potential. Um, you know, they can grind one out like they did in Leon. They didn't look like they deserved to win that one to me, but they can grind one out, or if they get on top of you, they can really, they can tear you apart. Like they've got, you know, Johnny Sexton pulling the strings, Luke McGrath, you know, Jameson Gibson Parks coming on, the two guys in the centre outstanding footballers both of them and very good defensively and up for the up for the fight as well so um, you know the first port of call for them is I wouldn't be worrying about the attacking rugby that it, it all happens in that front eight against Leinster and the guys who are coming on the pitch uh, you know on 40, 50, 60 minutes if you need to contain them there if you can't contain them like they've got two international packs there if you can't contain them in there um, you've got no chance because they've got all the guys who can pick you apart on the outside. You know, you've got James Lowe then on the wing. If they, you know, guys like that, they're just too hard to contain. Um, Jordan Larmer, like if you give these guys space, they'll cut you apart. So it's a big challenge for them and a huge step up. And it'll be interesting to see if Boyd's philosophy transfers against a really, really good team. Um, because Leinster, to me, look like they're humming at the moment. And um, look, it's, it's, it's set up perfectly for them to upset them, but I can't see it happening at the moment. Yeah, Brendan, what have you made of it? Uh, no, I think they've been brilliant to watch, but I think there's, if we look at what we should have learned over the last seven or eight years, is that it's different being a bully in the Premiership and, and, and then being a bully against the top teams in Europe. And I, I think um, I think that's the challenge for Northampton. They're, they won't, they don't have that Champions Cup experience. Um, they play out real pretty rugby, but I don't see them breaking down Leinster as easy as they as they break down teams like Leon, you know, a couple of weeks ago or. Or, or teams in in the uh, Leicester who aren't a good side. That's the reality of it, you know. So this is a real step, cha- uh, a challenge for them to step up and show that they're real contenders. I'd say it'll be a year, you know, a year or two before they are of, you know, able to beat teams like like Leinster. Um, but it's good. It's great to see Northampton back. I mean, they've had some really tough times. Um, great club. They've been it? great, great club, real rugby club. You know, have have been poor for a while. Um, and they do look like they're on the way up, but I, like Leinster have so much European experience, and they'll play cup rugby, and just it'll be a different level, I think. And um, their two visits to Franklin Garden this decade, they hammered, hammered them to both. Yeah, they're not they're better, but I still yeah. expect yeah, Leinster. I expect Leinster to be technically better, um, and you know have that type of mentality that they won't give them an inch. And Northampton get a lot of. At the moment, so far in the Premiership, they've had a lot of space and time, mm. and they won't have much of that. I think it said a lot about Leinster just after Leon game that they were actually really disappointed with how that went. Should have lost like, it though. Yeah, they should have, <laughs> but they didn't. They they, they yeah. came away from the, the top fourteen leaders. I think they still are um, who hadn't lost at home there all season. Like that was a dogged, really, really good display. Like when those ten minutes with Jordan Larmer in the bin and they see out that defensive set, like the celebrations. Like I thought that said a lot about where Leinster are right now, and I think that's pretty ominous for for the likes of. North 
Northampton. Leon played shite in that game. Like they did. Like they, they, the handling around the line. Like they butchered but five they six times. Like you don't deserve to, to win a match if you butcher that many chances at home. They look to me like a team who don't like against your, you know, the top European teams. They don't let you off the hook in those circumstances. Yeah. Like, yeah, sorry, any good team in rugby don't let you off the hook. It's it's one of those teams you're like ah they try you know. You know, from a nine to a four, it was in the breadbasket, lads. They dropped it about three times, you know, three or four times. In situations where Leinster were down numbers, you know, they'd made progress in the 22. You could see Leinster were hanging on in there. One one or two more phases, you're breaking them. Look to me like a team that don't know how to get on in the yeah. big in the bigger games um, as of yet, and I don't think they'll do it in the in the in the top fourteen based on what I saw. I just you just can't like, against big teams, they'll just squeeze you in those. They just know how to get over the try line and 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 kind of capitalize on periods of pressure. All good teams can do it. Um, they haven't made the transition to that yet for me. I know it's a big statement to make, but um, it's a it's a completely different uh, like like the Valencia there. They're going to squeeze you, and they're going to they're going to score points against you. Um, you know, so so Northampton will have it. It's a completely different um, proposition against Leinster this weekend. Just as an aside, Bernard on, on European Cup, like you know, the Irish teams, it's their emphasis of the season. Yeah. Whereas for English yeah. and French clubs, realistically, for the most part, bar a couple of clubs, it is it is kind of the inverse of that. Like, do you think that ha- manifests itself in? You know, in a meaningful way, in terms of the performance level that the English and French clubs bring to the table. Yeah, I think it does. Once you're psychologically a little bit off, and and you feel, oh, you know, this isn't our priority this year. Um, you know, we're not ready for for this. It, it can have a massive effect on how they perform. You know, the French teams, I would say, racing Claremont, Toulouse, have been knocking around the Champions Cup for long enough that, the, and they have the squad depth. And they're keen as well. And they're, no, they're, they're keen. They want. They actually yeah. really value it. But like. Teams like Cast and, and and maybe Leon lost, lost six from six last year, you know, um, and didn't really didn't throw a punch. Now they looked a bit they better. They threw against a few it. punches. I'd say. Punch, yeah, <laughs> they actually, yeah, they did actually. They looked a bit better against Leinster, but now they've lost Northampton away heavily. Lost to Leinster at home. I mean, you know, they'll be. Uh, their motivation levels for for round five and six will be it'll be interesting to, to to see. So there is a there is an element of that. Like Northampton because they're flying so much, are doing so well. Exeter would like to probably do something in Europe. Saracens we know are are proven, but apart from that, um, there's not like it's. Uh, like you've seen some very poor efforts from the English sides in recent years, and some yeah. people, like Leicester in particular have been very poor in the Champions Cup. In recent, I, I, you know, and they would perennially have been one of the powerhouses yeah. as well. And Gloucester, Gloucester play nice rugby, but they don't have. Like I watched them against Quinns at the weekend. Like um, they just lack that kind of n- uh, nous and an understanding, or maybe depth to to do anything. Prop, you know, really, really impressive, and mm. it's it's frustrating. I mean, I think European rugby is in a little bit of a. Um, Dangerous time in terms of you know where's the cha- where's the Champions Cup really going you know mm-hmm. and uh, um, like the Scots now look at Glasgow 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 are getting less competitive than they were and they're going to be a change of coach Edinburgh you know good winning against Munster but they're in the Challenge Cup I think uh, the Welsh regions they're not contenders to even qualify and uh, well, only only Ospreys are in it and uh, yeah and then as you said there's a handful of English clubs I would say three French clubs and then the four Irish provinces and that's it. It was interesting, I heard Chris Ashton talking sort of about this last week and he was saying that some of the new South African lads who they've signed, you know, coming up to the Heineken Cup and the week Heineken Cup, they're like, oh, you know, what's the crack? Who are we playing this week? You know, they had absolutely no concept of the Heineken Cup. Now, I know Sale probably aren't a good example in terms of, you know, buying hugely into it, but he was making the point that they are trying to shift that culture. But Bernard talks about where's the Champions Cup going? If he said this in an interview. In a, on a podcast, yeah. So if, if, he, if people are... From outside of Europe, like not even sure what the Champions Cup means, it's it's a very fair point. Like where where is it going? Could you imagine because playing against them? You'd be absolutely dying for it, wouldn't you? No. Because like, they don't even know. Like yeah, that's oh, that'd be music to your ears. I can't mm-hmm. believe you said that. Because <laughs> when the Heineken Cup was revamped, there was promises that this was going to be the real yeah. global. You know, we're going to have X amount of sponsors. Like oh, we don't need just Heineken. We're going to have this and we're going to have that. And it hasn't really caught fire. If it wasn't for the Irish teams winning it, you know, sporadically yes. or getting very well, geez, it would be a dead duck almost. Yeah, and in France. See their own league is so good, mm. you know that they the, their TV contract is very good. The fans, like the fans in France, don't actually they prefer to see if you're a Toulouse fan to see them hopping off. Or sorry, if you're a Claremont fan, like smash and breathe because that's the local derby. Then Leinster going there, mm. you know, um, and that's that's the issue. They don't really care about the best players in the world or the best teams in the world coming. It's more about the local the local challenge or the French challenge and um, the Premiership. Like I think this. Talk about a British and a British and Irish league, you know what that does to Europe. 
you know, is, is going to be interesting if that happens, you know. Mm. The, it's like that. The, the, the Premiership think the same thing as the French, so I don't think yeah. in terms of like our league is strong enough. Sure. Like we don't need, we don't need the Pro 4 teams. No. That, that's the impression I get yeah. from the outside looking in anyway, that we don't need. We the, really need them. We need them. We really need them. And the first, we will be good for them yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like yeah. not probably all of us. Yeah. Not every team in the Pro 14 yeah. wouldn't, no. wouldn't be a good mix. Oh, no. <laughs> no. But yeah, the Pro 14 will do it, yeah. So just to wrap up on the Irish teams then, obviously Connacht as well going to Gloucester on Sunday. You know, you'd almost prefer if they had the sports grounds game first to get that bit of momentum going over to King's Home, which is a tough place to go. But again, they played very well against Toulouse. But the scoreline was probably a bit harsh than them, you know, given that they were leading after, I think, three quarters of that match. But uh, still, they, they remember the chances. Gloucester, you know, they could be very hit and miss in terms of scope. Yeah, the, the scoreline definitely flattered Toulouse. Toulouse were, were there for the taking, I thought. It's not often you see Toulouse that flaky, especially in defence. I think the, the yellow card period for Kobe Fainga was huge. They, they just lost their way. They kind of, you know, they had no Bundyaki that day. Uh, it looked a bit kind of rudderless when the chips were down compared to Leinster when they had leaders all over the pitch um, but yeah their injury list seems to be clearing up you talk about you know good vibes like Andy Friend I know we keep mentioning it has done a really good job mm. and you know he's back in Conor Fitzgerald now and, and not Jack Carty and that's one of those things where I think we, we talked about after the World Cup you know we want to see you know the Irish team picking players in form here's Andy Friend you know not picking Jack Carty who must have come back from the World Cup buzzing you know with how he how he went on but Conor Fitzgerald is a man that's been keeping the show on the road so it was a massive show of faith to pick him for the for the two away game and it wasn't perfect but you know he's got a big call to make uh, this week but Connacht are going well um, you know like you said Gloucester they can be hit and miss but they're going to look to absolutely destroy them up front but Montpellier tried to do that and they weren't able to now that was obviously away from home Toulouse looked to do it they had a bit more joy so I think the blueprint how to beat Connacht is there Leinster also did it in the sports ground a few weeks ago is there it's about kind of matching the power that Gloucester are going to have up front and then kind of seeing if you can pick pick your way through the holes but it all starts up front definitely Yeah Bernard it's interesting what Keane mentioned there about the out half selection issue because obviously previously Andy Fram wasn't afraid to start Caelan Blade over Kieran yeah. Marmion who would have been much more established certainly at international level like it's interesting you know you, might, you don't know from your time with Dragons when you have a couple of internationals you're kind of you feel maybe that you have to pick them every week because they're your main guys. But Andy Friend hasn't been afraid to, to you know drop them to the bench. No, he hasn't. And, and fairness to the lads have come in, played, etc. Have have really uh, proven that it's a correct decision. But I think that's that's the beauty of having um, competition. And I think if you look at all the four provinces, they have really good depth. And there's guys waiting there, desperate for their chance. And they know if they don't perform, they mightn't play again. You know, for a long time or, or ever. And that's. You know, that's that's a good thing. You know, you don't want too much pressure, but they they understand the accountability they have when they get game time, um, and yeah, I think that that's that's the issue in a lot of other teams that guys know that if they come in, they come in and play, and you know they can just be average and they'll go back out and come back in again and be rotated around. Whereas at the moment, the strength and depth in, in Irish rugby is is pretty healthy, and, and you're nearly afraid to give someone a, a shot. You know, and even the lads who have who got left out for for or got rested for Leinster last week against Glasgow. I mean, it's so good for for Leo and stuff that they're just watching this this team, you know, who are second choice effectively going out again and doing the business and keeping mm-hmm. keeping everyone on their toes. And that internal competition is is massive. And the lads are comp- competitive by nature; and they all want to do well. But when you have, I suppose, thirty four or five, uh, in Lancer's case, maybe forty five players who who are good enough to play, um, you need makes, to start picking a few of them, though. Yeah, do you think that? I think. I think one or two I'm not saying about a wholesale but I think at some point you got yeah, to actually Yeah I think you can rotate someone. two or three maybe two in two in um, and, yeah. and it won't harm the overall performance and it yeah. keeps maybe everyone on their toes I think if you keep yeah. if you keep performing and you don't get that Champions Cup game you go somewhere else yeah after. exactly Otherwise that's going to that, yeah. be the issue so because um, I think like say for example Will Connors you know he's shown now he has something about him um, but just give him a taste of Champions Cup at some stage mm-hmm. and that's you know, that's easy for us to say, but uh, <laughs> but, no, but I think they, you, know, like, you, you do need to reward them somehow. Yeah. And at some stage, you get fed up playing Pro 14. The home fixture might be better than an away game in Franklin's Gardens to bring in some of the young players. I'd suggest the Leon, the Leon at home is going to be a banker. I think for Leinster, I think that's where you'll see a lot of those guys yeah. coming in because uh, Leon will be in. Yeah. Leon will yeah. be will be out of the tournament. Yeah. Come down, they'll be concentrating at top 14. I think that's when you'll see your likes of the Will Connors because that's the biggest problem Leinster have is keeping these guys Keep happy. happy. Like, yeah. and that's the biggest problem. You know, and we've seen guys willing to leave Leinster now as well and Leo that has doesn't really happen no, no not the best players won't yeah. but I mean they, they need that squad depth like Bernard said because that's what's driving this machine as well like yeah yeah look I, I, I do I agree I think that's that's the biggest challenge for Leinster now, is just keeping guys happy you know um, I, I still think there, there's real value in in 
you know, ousting one or two guys just here and there. It just keeps the fire there and it keeps them really hungry. I think it ups the intensity in training. Um, I'd love to see them actually reward a few guys with a start. You can still have the guy on the bench, you know, but just something. It just Because I, I, I feel the real challenge for someone like, for, for a team like Leinster is actually keeping everyone really hungry. Something like that just, well, it sets the cat amongst the pigeons, I think. And everyone goes, whoa, geez, that's, geez, he dropped him. You know, or he's on the bench this week. That's that's pretty mad. He's a fifty capper, a sixty capper, or something like that. So I think he's pretty. Leo's pretty good at that. He has been, but it's usually with an injury or something. Yeah. It's usually with an injury. Usually sticks to the guys that have been there. I think that'd be my view on it. I I'd love to see because I think the best, also the best time to give these guys opportunities is actually with the with the best guys. You know, yeah. so they, that's when you see like you can't give like you can't make wholesale changes, and look, they've actually have been delivering. But in a big match, you couldn't make wholesale changes and expect something against a Heineken Cup team. The best way to do it is to re, is to introduce one guy here, two guys here, and not have it just be an injury thing. Um, just an idea, like they might just stick with it, and just all these guys want to play for the home province because all they've seen growing up through school is this Lancer team being successful, and just think that well, look, I know three or four years here, I can wait that out, play ten games a year, and then I'm going to be the guy. That's probably that seems to me like it is. We're all the, drinking the Kool Aid. All drinking the Kool Aid. Um, and why wouldn't you? I mean, it's worked for loads of guys coming through who've been patient. So it's not necessarily something wrong with that. I'm just. It'd be interesting to see if they do shake it it'll up. It'll be interesting to see when Sean Cronin. I think you know he's nearing fitness now, full fitness now again with how Ronan Kelleher is. Mm. I think that will be one of the big decisions that Leo probably hasn't had to make in the in the past few years because here's a young guy who's in Ronan Keller doing absolutely nothing wrong to be dropped, and that will be a big decision. I think that he'll have to make. Mm. Well, that's it for the Irish province. Just before we finish up, Bernie. You mentioned the Welsh regions earlier. Obviously, a lot of disarray in the Ospreys. I think the last time we had John as well, they were thinking of disbanding the Ospreys mm. and making a new. Maybe they should have, in retrospect. Yeah, uh, you know, still. Yeah, yeah like it, it's just another crazy well, day in the regions. Well, really poor, um, really poor week. I think for for Welsh rugby in terms of how it was all handled and, and still hasn't been really clarified about you know Alan's role and things like that. But uh, I think from an Ospreys point of view, Ruddock going in is probably the right man. I mean, um, he's a real people person a man manager he's from he's from the region and they just needed to pick me up but I think for him as well I mean you know realistically Clarkie's probably suffered um, World Cup uh, world player, a lot of players in the World Cup so the, the, Os- the Ospreys budget dropped by 900,000 um, they went out and signed Garrett Anscombe as a, as a big marquee signing so um, he replaced Sam Davies who went to the Dragons so uh, Garrett Anscombe's been injured so that's a waste that's a waste in terms of the money they've spent on him unfortunately for them then they obviously kept Alan Wynne Jones etc their best players have gone to the World Cup and then they have an injury crisis of 16 players injured so you know what was already, and they had to get rid of some of those squad players because of the budget cut. So Clarky had a terrible start. They had a monster fixture. They had their way to Munster, Leinster, Horrendous. and Ulster during the World Cup. Absolute disaster for him. But uh, uh, and then you know Ruddock's gone in now, and he, like the World Cup players are starting to come back. They'll get through this uh, block of two European games. Hopefully, um, it, it won't go too badly for them. But then they're into Welsh derbies, and you put your best Ospreys team on the field with a bit of belief and a bit of confidence and a, and a bit of a chip on the shoulder, they can beat any of the other Welsh regions. You know, so it could be a good timing for Mike. Uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to see him get a really good crack at it. He, he had a very hard time in, in Wales um, previously and, and, and is, is a very good coach, a very good man. Um, but just in terms of the Ospreys, I mean, I think there was like a very small crowd in the Nall last weekend. They lost to the Cheetahs. Uh, they lost to the Kings previously. Um, you know, they're in a very tough group in Europe where you can't see them getting any joy really. And you know, at the end of the year, like if the Welsh, you know, they could easily fold. That's the reality of it. They could fold, and that's hopefully it doesn't happen. Just have three teams. Three teams, yeah, or, or maybe make one a development team and fund three properly. Um, I don't know. I don't know how long they're tied into for. Um, well, what what would happen if they had amalgamated last year? It would have been three teams, and they're talking about a team up North Wales as a development team. But again, what league in the world lets development teams come in? You know that's the that's the reality of it. There's no like even a fifth, the third division or fourth division team in, in English football. There's no development teams. Everyone's battling to try and stay alive and or win or re- get, or not get relegated. So um, it's a tricky ground to have a development team that's actually in a proper professional elite league. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how it's going to go. I think they're not really sure themselves, um, but it's not not pleasant uh, viewing. And like Warren Gatland, the job he did with Wales kind of gets more impressive, doesn't it, when you ever see these kind of incidents happening? Not particularly because I think he has the, have the players. It's not a player issue. It's just... Oh, but if you're coming out of a club setup where it's just well, I think they were dying to get out of there. Yeah. You look at how, look at the Irish, look at the Irish kind of setup where people have really struggled at the World Cup. They're all dying to get back to the provinces because it's all... <laughs> no, but seriously, like we, we're yeah. looking at it. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the converse of that, you know? And, mm. it's, and you're kind of looking at it saying, well, they were dying to get into him. He had a really good 
established coaching setup, guys who are really keen, like really good as well. And they have great raw materials in Wales. Like they have way more rugby players than us lads. Like they have, if you can organize the thing properly for them, um, you know, they, they really will flourish. They have the talent there. It's not a talent thing. It's just a management thing, I think. And as well, is a big challenge in Wales with the actual traditional kind of rugby clubs. Like some of those clubs get better, they get better um, crowds. better crowds going to those games than going to the region's games. Um, and it doesn't help when you're not being competitive. Like the Irish setup, we've just completely flourished. It really suits our yeah. system. We've less players available to us. But something like this, may, like it really makes us get the best out of what we have. Whereas over in Wales, I think because of the fragmentation around who, what team you support and who you're going to watch in the weekend, it makes it really hard to get buy-in and off the back of that, like where, like, where do you go? Like, So many of their players are playing in, in, in different leagues and stuff as well. We have very little of that really. Uh, you know, maybe two or three guys who, who are probably standouts who'd be maybe competing for, for international spots whereas they have maybe, they've had lots of guys come and go, um, lots of guys injured. I don't think they actually buy into the provincial thing as much over there. No, I think there's lots of guys who are injured and stuff as yeah, well. Well, yeah. I, find, I feel like they're always back for Wales but they're not necessarily around for the, 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 the region's games. Well, there's um, no, like the, Apart from the Scarlets, the rest are struggling with an identity. Yeah. And the Scarlets, they're very isolated, and there's West Wales, and um, you know, and it's form. It was it was underpinned by the Clenetley, who were always a very proud team. But like then you put the Ospreys are neat and Swansea, who hate each other, amalgamate together. Um, there's still big fights about whether the Dragons region is correct in terms of the lines that are drawn, the clubs that are in it, the Blues, or or, or, or an amalgamation of of Ponty and 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 Cardiff, who both. You know, or massive rivals, and they put them together. But the name is Cardiff Blues. Like so much politics and and um, Conti Blues and infighting. In, in, in uh, and I think if the Welsh national team struggle, you know, and revenues drop from the international game, you're that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Like the, the Welsh Union are going well. We just got to another World Cup yeah. semi-final, but if they're actually serious about their club, which so far the evidence wouldn't suggest that they are, then they would do something about it because yeah. it's just deja vu, like Groundhog Day, isn't it? Mean? Like where do you go from there? Like as like they've proposed this structure now. Whereby they have possibly a development team, but like that really, that like that's another team gone from the league, and in in a, in, a, in, a, in a, one of the countries that has a big playing population, like that'd be a big big blow. I think, I think th to the they league. need they need someone like a David Nusafora to go in there who doesn't care if he doesn't make friends, you know, just to give this place a little bit of a shake up. That's what I feel they need, you know. I don't know what the actual answers are. If I did, I'd be I'd be earning a, probably a lot of money, <laughs> money like, like, like David Nusafora. There's a lot of decisions made for political reasons mm. rather than like really smart strategic rugby reasons and it can't seem to like Gats tried to get involved and tried to help them um, but he just pulled away from it because mm. he like he, he just unbelievably silly decisions made um, because of small small minded local politics rather than actually how to develop the game and now they're in a mess and uh, like there's a way out of it obviously but it's about obviously putting um, putting the long term future of, of Welsh rugby first and I don't think you can have you can keep back in an international team and they'll say look at Ireland did well badly at the World Cup uh, but you know realistically you want to have strong foundations yeah. and at the moment they're not getting any stronger they're getting weaker I mean Scarlet's looked like they're going to do something a couple of years ago obviously won a Pro 14 but now they find themselves in the Challenge Cup very poor the weekend against against Ulster you know you wouldn't say they're going to win it, uh, win anything you're not even sure they'll qualify yeah. for Europe next year and that's not good no, but um, even in terms of like you look at someone like Liam Williams, who looks like he's going to leave Saracens at the end of the season. Haven't you're know, being part of that, you know, like machine like set of where's the motivation to come back to, to any of the, the Welsh regions? What I'd suggest, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, we could it's talk about much. this all night, lads. A mouth watering weekend of European rugby in the offing. But Luke Bernard Keane, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, cheers, lads. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the European action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye.